Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives, and the story you're about to hear was told by Wendelin Omanya in June when the theme was privilege. Wendelin was born and raised in Mexico, a bilingual social justice activist. She finds her ways to recover from working too hard by serving as a licensed massage therapist, food and nutrition educator, and yoga teacher in Colorado. She finds passion in speaking the languages of gratitude, poetry, and photography. When she's not in the woods smiling at the moon or trying to figure out how to play guitar, she serves as vice president of the board of directors of the Colorado Immigrants' Rights Coalition and studies alternative medicine in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Here's Wendelin's story. Oh, wow. That was very... Okay. Um, October 2009, one week before my birthday, I came to the United States. To be more specific, I came to Durango, Colorado, and I hated it. I just didn't like it at all. (laughs) It was cold, snow everywhere. It was just like silent no sound of birds. I literally cry every day. I was like, ah, what am I doing? Why did I come to this place? One month before I came, I married a man from Durango, Colorado. I was in Mexico, we were in Mexico, and then he said, hey, just like wrap the most important things and you don't need anything else. We have it all over there. No worry, baby. I got you. So of course I pack up the most important things, like the birth certificate, some ideas, and those turquoise red poppy flower printed 12-inch high heels. (laughs) (laughs) Along with some other high heels and my miniskirts. Very, very important. So having so much snow was not really like the ideal for my very important things. (laughs) That was crazy. So I was just wondering when is this going to end? Perfectly, I found the the great excuse to wear those. I found a job in a Mexican restaurant as a hostess. And then I wear my high heels, my miniskirts, my beautiful coats, and expose my legs. I was just all about fashion, so my husband, the man that I married, I was like from the car to the door of the restaurant, from the door of the restaurant to the car, just escorting me, helping me, like a bodyguard. And also he was translating everything for me, some people make compliments, some people just were terrified, like looking at me in high heels in the snow. (laughs) Sometimes he translated those things, sometimes he ignored it, he was like nothing. So I was um, in this uh, path of having it all. Like I was like, I won the lottery, like all that I have to worry is just like how to put my uh, closet together. So uh, I kind of learn English. I started just going to some ESL classes. I live like the life abroad. And until one day, 
Tuesday spring. A uh, couple years after, I was driving by myself, a little bit more independent. So I went home from the back door, I entered, and it was like different. Cold, like the winter when it came. My life companion, Chula, the dog, was in one corner, very fearful. I didn't want to turn on the light, it was dark. It was clean, the house was clean, but something was off. I was shaking, so I turned on the light, and I, as soon as I turned it on, I saw this note on the table. It said, seven dreadful words. Don't look for me, don't call me. My heart started just getting shrink, my lungs expand. And just to catch enough for the air, I couldn't just inhale the, all, all the air. I was like literally shaking, my bones hurt, my skin felt like some electromagnetic shocks were just traveling in there. Everything hurt and I couldn't cry. I just was shocked. Not only my husband left, my bodyguard, my interpreter, my doer, he did it all for me was gone. And the heaviness in my chest was really impressive. So it really hurt so much, physically and emotionally. I don't know your culture, but in my culture it's a shame if your husband leaves you. It's most, mostly it's your fault. So I didn't tell anybody. I hide it from everybody. I came back to the job that I had at the time. And my boss, uh, very kind of mama style, she started noticing it. It was kind of obvious. I was not wearing high heels anymore, no miniskirts. The hair was all over the place and no makeup. <laughs> so she was like, something is going on over there. So somebody called my mom. I don't know how they found out about my mom, but somebody called us. She called me back from Mexico. And I didn't say that much. I couldn't say that much words, so I just say, well, after 10 years of not having communication, this is your chance to be a mother. She jumped into an airplane and came the next day. I was so surprised and not ready. My house was a mess. She cleaned it all, including myself. She showered me. She did everything that a mama, Mexican mama would do, like sopa, really delicious soup, and clean the house very well, and just put you together, and buy you tequila, drink with you, bitch about him all the time. So I was like, yes. She, she really brought the life back to me. And after two months being with me, she uh, had to go back to Mexico to take care of my dad. So I didn't want her to leave me. I didn't have that many friends. I didn't know that many people. I really didn't like it here. So I went back to Mexico. As soon as I land, I went back home. My dad, very macho man, Mexican style. He looked at me with these eyes of anger, and I thought like, oh my gosh, he's mad, he's mad for whatever happened, he's going to blame on me. Shortly after, I discovered that his eyes were not full of anger, was full of fear. Uh, Mexico was number one 
globally speaking, on women disappearing. Two of my best friends disappear, rape and disappear. Because of human trafficking, so many women just were living in fear. So he put me in an airplane, paid the ticket, put me back, and he said, at least you have a home, at least you have a life right there. A life right there. I was like, like little human, just with this face and behavior that was when he's forced to go to school and in reality wants to stay home with grandma. It was like putting the airplane, confusing the people in the airplane. Um, so I, as I was just in the airplane observing, uh, something started just traveling inside of myself. And it was like, what a great blessing to be in from one day to another day, put in an airplane in a seat to just being safe. No crossing mountains, no crossing deserts, just in the airplane. As soon as I get here, I promise to myself that I will get friends. I enrolled to all the ESL classes. I had more than two jobs, three, four jobs. So I was like, so go, 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 putting my things together, trying to learn more. Until one day, La Plata Electric Company sent me this letter and I had this like delinquent red big letters. I was like, what? I am not a delinquent. <laughs> so I was like, so confused. Some, fr some friends told me like, no, 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 wait a minute. It's just you are paying on the first, you should pay on the 12th. It's like, that doesn't make sense. That's crazy. And all these letters that they send you with this high vocabulary with confusing letters in order to just like make you go crazy when in reality they have to say like, just pay. <laughs> and so I, I just went and they say, I better have my shit together. I'm going to knock doors, open those doors. I'm going to just be in a good advocate for myself. Looking for advocacy, it was hard. Back at the time, I didn't have that many opportunities with Spanish speaking, and those who speak, spoke Spanish were really confused in Spanish. So I, uh, I promise, and something clicked, that I will open doors for those who have less opportunities than me, less blessings than me. I thought privilege was having or being able to buy very expensive high heels from a designer. Later on life, I discover that privilege is to make a positive impact with every step I make. Thank you, Wendelin, for telling that story. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. Our next storytelling event will be September 7th and 8th at James Ranch, north of Durango, and at the Grand Imperial Hotel in Silverton, when the theme will be water. And we are also currently looking for storytellers for our upcoming events in October, when the theme will be belonging. And if you have not done so already, be sure to subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud or Stitcher, 
And be sure to share these stories with your friends and comment on things that you loved. Thanks to our photographer, McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots. Check out the portraits of our storytellers on the gallery page of the Raven Narratives website. And be sure to visit her website at redscarfshots.com. We also want to thank our nonprofit sponsor organization, Mancus Valley Resources. We couldn't do it without you. Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar. And you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org. Now for an outtake. <laughs> taunt is a word. No, I made I, I made it up. I instead of taught, you know, like something's like taught. Oh, I call that taunt. Danielle oh. always makes fun of me. I'm like, pull it so it's more taunt. Oh, you're right. It's I'm taut. Sh- yeah, it's taut. T a u t, not t a u n t. It's taut, I, like taut. a taut line. Yeah, no, I I know the word. That's yeah. why I thought it was a word. I was she like, what are you talking about? She makes fun of me all the time about that. She's like, taunt. you think it's taunt. But you could taunt some. You can taunt somebody. She like taunts me about it. Yes. That's the irony of this whole word Ouch. around my. That's painful. No, she we taunts call her me right about now taunt. And taunt her? <laughs> what would we taunt her about? She doesn't. We d- she, I don't I'm know. I'm the one who made the mistake. There's no, oh, taunt her right. about taunting me. I guess. A retaunt. I don't know. <laughs>